acapella singing found in Scripture. That's important. We don't, we don't change those things. But other things might can be changed. The Pharisees, of course, they placed a high value on appearing righteous. And so that was something that was important to them. And they don't want to change that. They wanted to appear righteous. And did that put them on a good path? No, of course it didn't. But when we value something without really considering its true value, that's called value attribution. Of course, I'm not talking about changing doctrine. But what I am asking, what I want all of us to ask, our deacons, our elders, myself, all of us to ask is, what would Jesus do if he wanted to reach people within five miles of our building? That's the kind of questions we need to ask to solve the problems that are at bay. I don't know why people, you know, won't come on a tent. I'm not sure why. Are you sure you're looking at the right problem? Jesus is, of course, the solution, most assuredly. But we can't hold on to a solution that worked 45 years ago and it's not working today. Can't do that. You be your own judge as to what that might be here at Virgil's Chapel, whatever that might be. But sometimes value attribution looks at something and says, I value that. Is it working? Well, no. But I really like it. Got to get away from that mentality. This happens a lot in our personal lives as well. What problem are you facing right now? What do you wish was different? You may need to identify the real problem because it won't just go away. It might be staring you right in the face. You might look at him every morning in the mirror. You might look at it for four hours a day in your hand. Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 23 says, A man will die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he will go astray. Some people make an Olympic sport out of being foolish, it seems. That's why we have to look for Scripture, look to Scripture for our instruction. So, what is the problem? Well, I don't know. Only you do. Only you know what the problem is. What do we have to do? We have to open our eyes. Psalm chapter 119, verses 18 through 20. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. Some people look at Scripture. That's just a rule book. I don't want to read it. Some people look at Scripture and say, well, that's... It's old, I don't, I don't want to glean anything from it, make sure I don't have any fun. Here the psalmist says, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. When you go to scripture with open eyes, you can see beautiful things. I am a stranger in the earth, do not, Lord, hide your commandments from me. My soul is crushed with longing after your ordinances at all times. When you don't know what the problem is, one of the things you have to ask you have to ask that your eyes might be open so that you see what the problem is, whether it's in your own personal life, here with our church work, in your day-to-day -day lives at work, or school, and other things. We have to open our eyes to see the problems that are plaguing us. Sometimes you think you know what the problem is and you're wrong. Sometimes you think you know what the solution is. I know folding laundry is a chore that most people don't like. Sunday night, Saddler household, we try to do it, try to fold. However, let's say that folding laundry takes you an hour. 
You know what takes two hours? Digging through laundry baskets all week long. That takes two hours. Rather than putting the laundry away early on in the week. When you don't fold laundry, you're saying, or any other thing, it's just one example I had. I want to be late for work all week because I can't find my socks. Sometimes people look at solutions that way. Because they can do something. Laundry is the silly example. Please don't berate me in the lobby. Okay, please don't. Laundry. We all hate it, okay? We all hate it, even me. But we think we know what the solution is, and with my laundry example, we leave it to the side, and what's that end up doing? That ends up causing more problems later on in the week. It's known as the butterfly effect. One little thing that you forget happens, you leave it to the side, and it creates other problems. The solution for me to have a good Sunday night is to not do the laundry, to not do whatever, and what ends up happening, you have a bad week all week long. You're late for work. You're late for work, for instance, because the person in front of you was driving slow. No, you were late for work because you forget to wake up an hour earlier. See, it's the small things that can create a ripple effect. And you think this is the solution. I need an extra hour of sleep. Well, I want to have a bad morning. That's what you're saying. Sometimes our solutions actually produce more problems for us in our lives, and it can become very, very frustrating. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 9. Still in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 13. The woman of folly, again, female pronoun here. No comments on her being folly, uh, foolish. So do that for yourself. The woman of folly is boisterous. She is naive and knows nothing. She sits at the doorway of her house on a seat by the high places of the city. So when you're foolish, when your behavior is folly, whenever you are trying to find solutions and you can't, I would think of what it's talking about here. This woman of folly is boisterous. She is naive and knows nothing. But where does she sit? She sits at the doorway of her house. When we're in Honduras, a lot of people live in the cities. When we drove by a, a couple of houses that are on the street, I could have reached out and touched the doorpost from my window. That's how close these places are. So this woman, she sits at the doorway of her house where all these people can hear on a seat by the high places of the city. So this foolish person exemplified here as folly. This woman, she is showing people what it's like to be foolish. And she sits on a high place calling to those who pass by who are making their paths straight. They're trying to follow the first six verses, aren't they? They're trying to do that. They're trying to make their paths straight. But she says to them, whoever is naive, let him turn in here. Wisdom said that earlier, didn't she? The wise wisdom said that. She said, whoever is naive, let him turn in here. But folly does the same thing. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. And whoever lacks understanding, she says, Stolen water is sweet. You can get something for nothing. That's good. That's some good action, right? Stolen water is sweet. We know that's not right. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Secret things that you do, that's fun. Do what you want. Keep it secret, she says. But he does not know that the dead are there. The person that hears her, the person that goes into follies, 
room into Folly's home, he doesn't see what's on the other side. He doesn't see that there are people in there that are dead, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol, the underworld. Okay? We don't see that they're in there. Well, she wants people to follow her all the same. A lot of ways we know that misery loves company. For those who make poor decisions, they want people with them. This validates their behavior as being valued. Hey, we're all miserable, but let's all be miserable together, right? Well, we need to find the solution. We need to listen to wisdom and not folly. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3. We've got to open our eyes to identify the problem. Now we've got to find the solution as well. And sometimes you're looking in the wrong areas for the solution and for what tools you need for that. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. You see, we're looking for the solution that's in, a, in the wrong spot. We do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Looking in all the wrong places. But divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. So what weapons should we be using? We should be using weapons that are spiritual in nature, not fleshly. So whenever you look for a solution, make sure you're looking in the right places. Sometimes we think, oh, I've got to work more. I've got to do more things that, that benefit me financially. I've got to do those things. Sometimes the answer is slowing down. Sometimes the answer is doing less so that you take care of yourself, so that you don't give Satan a foothold. What do we have to do for this when we're looking for a solution? We've got to open our minds. Jesus, in Luke chapter 23, was crucified. And in Luke 24, he comes back talking to the disciples and tells them, I'm here, I'm in, I'm in the flesh. Does a spirit have flesh? And though he'd spent several years with the apostles, they had a difficult time understanding where he was coming from. How, how are we seeing you here, Jesus? We saw the stone rolled. We saw, we saw the seal put on there. How are we looking at you at this moment? He tries to explain to them. He tells Thomas, you know, look at the holes in my hands and in my feet. Well, Luke chapter 24 and verse 45, he says an interesting thing. Or the scripture says an interesting thing. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. We must open our minds to what God can do through us and to what we can do in his name. And that's finding solutions. Finding scriptural solutions to real world problems every single day. Lastly, problem. There is no problem. Sometimes people just deny it. That's their solution to what's going on in their lives. You see the problem, but you deny it. It's not you, it's me. You know, they want to try to take the blame over things. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 7 and see what this has to tell us. This is in the middle between wisdom and folly. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 7, He who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself. Try to correct somebody, what happens? That, that person you're correcting will reprimand you. You're trying to do something right, but they correct you and now you feel bad. 
But it's the truth, isn't it? And he who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. I'm trying to help you out. Why are you insulting me? Am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is misunderstanding. For by me your days will be multiplied and years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you see in verses 1 through 6 they were talking about being wise. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself and if you scoff, you alone will bear it. Sometimes we don't want to say what needs to be said. When we see a problem and when we see the solution that needs to happen, Oftentimes, we're afraid to say what needs to be said. So the question here is, are you enabling the problem? Whether in your own life or in someone's life that you love, Psalm 3, chapter 38 and verse 5 says, My wounds grow foul and fester because of my folly. Because you don't listen to wisdom. Because you don't take the necessary steps to change things in your life. Because of that folly, your wounds will grow. They will fester. They will become infected. That's enabling, whether in your life or in someone else's. So who do we enable? Who do we contribute to the negative behavior? Who do we contribute to their sinful behavior? Who are these people? They're in your life, of course. We enable our kids' bad behavior when we allow them to do things we know are wrong. We enable our loved ones' bad behavior as well when we allow them, encourage them in many ways. And we enable our Christian brothers and sisters by not helping them address sin in their lives that is affecting them and others in a profound way. Now, I don't think we need to be the sin police where we run around telling them, well, you said this wrong, you did that wrong, and I saw this and I saw that, always policing things. You know, we're all sinners. We need to admit that to a degree. But if someone is living in a way that is hurting their family, the church, and themselves, we approach them about it. We don't enable it. Matthew 18, 15 says, If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private, which I think is also important. And if he listens to you, you have won your brother. What does enabling look like? If you want to win your brother or your sister, you've got to stay away from things like this. Ignoring the person's negative or potentially dangerous behavior. If you're enabling bad behavior, you are probably... Neglecting your own needs, which is bad, of course. You enable when you deny there is a problem. There's there's nothing wrong, there's nothing going on. Proverbs 28 says this, He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. There's a problem, you don't hide it. Maybe you wait for the proper time to bring it out, to discuss a solution. Very, Very important. I don't dump on people in a counseling session all at once the very first day. I want them to come back a little bit. But you don't dump it all on them at first. Waiting is an appropriate thing to do. But when waiting is no longer necessary, you grab that cage and you shake it as hard as you can. 
you shake it till they listen, till they tell you to stop, because of this verse. If you conceal your transgressions, or if you conceal your brother or your sister's transgressions, you will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. How blessed is the man who fears always, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. You also enable when you lie for the person. This, of course, keeps the peace and saves people from embarrassment. We don't want to do that now, do we? But in lying for the person, you're enabling bad behavior. You may be protecting the person by blaming other people as well or situations. For instance, you blame the teacher for your child's bad grades and behavior. It's not their fault. The end of all this is that you resent the person you are enabling. Possibly a soul is lost, so that person's behavior and your contribution to it has now ruined a relationship, whether between you and others or between you and your God. And guess what? Nothing has changed. We knew the problem, we knew the solution, yet we denied it. We just swept it under the rug. So what do we do? We've got to open our hearts. Open our hearts so that we can make necessary changes in our lives and in the lives of others. Acts 16, 14. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. We all need our hearts open. We also need our eyes and our minds open. Brother Jerry opened in his prayer, talked about opening these things up this morning. Open our eyes, our mind, and our heart. And if we're to find solutions in our lives to things we face, we must, must do these things. You'll respond this morning one way or another. And if you reject the message, oh, I don't need any of that. I don't, I don't need the wisdom found in Proverbs chapter 9. I don't need that. You're not rejecting me. You're rejecting God. Keep that in mind. Psalm 85 and verse 8 says, I will hear what God the Lord will say, for he will speak peace to his people, to his godly ones, but let them not turn back to folly. Every time I'm up here, I work to present some sort of wisdom that will make a difference, if not a little, a lot, in one way or another. So don't turn back to folly, but listen to what God has brought forth to all of us this morning. If you need